What's happening, everybody? This is Todd Wilson with another episode of Elevate Your Game. Today, we have wife, or your mother? Nope. Not yet. All right. Head a coach. Dog, a dog. A dog. There we go. What's the dog's name? Bella. Bella. Okay. Mm-hmm. Has a beautiful dog, Bella. Uh, five-time state champion. Mm-hmm. Head coach of Sierra Canyon Girls Basketball. Alicia Kamaki. Hey. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Awesome. You are actually our first female guest on this show. And Ooh. it's not by accident. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get you first. All right. Um, and cool. we're going to now, the ladies who are interested in being on the show, we'll start inviting you on. I think it's um, just from really meeting you maybe a year ago and, and talking with you and everything that you've done with basketball over your career and time and um, just who you are as a, a, a woman of God mm-hmm. as well and the mentorship, like. She has to be on here first to represent All the ladies. Right. So. Happy to represent. <laughs> Thank you for being here. We always start the show off first with our Wall of Hoop movies. Yes. Your favorite hoop movie and why? This one was uh, real easy because it's love and basketball, which is like, I feel like pretty duh. Now I'm like the first female to come on the show and I'm choosing love and basketball. Like, <laughs> There's oh, a uh, Jason Hart chose love and basketball as okay. well. There you go. Buddy. All right. Um, yeah. I mean, that was like. I think I was eighth grade when it first came out, um, all through high school. I remember one of my high school boyfriends bought me that as a gift for a birthday one time. Like it was on DVD. That's like a big deal when it came out on DVD. It was like a special edition, you know, whatever. So love and basketball is easy, easy, easy up there at the top. But um, yeah, this brings it back. There's lots of really good ones on here for sure. Absolutely. Love and basketball is nostalgic. Oh, yeah. For sure. And uh, my wife actually hates it. <laughs> and I never get to watch it when she's at home. She says, there's no way I'm going to play for a guy's heart and then he's going to beat me. Like, that is not love. Like, that was her whole stance. It was like, no, that's not love. That was rude. And all of a sudden, she's in the WNBA and he's a, he's a stay-at-home dad. Like, I don't it know. Maybe it wasn't I'm, realistic. <laughs> right? It was that. like, it could be, though. Like, why not? And that was a great movie. I don't care what anybody says. But she has no hoop in her blood. I love you, baby. Um, awesome. So... Um, you have a, a rich past of just winning in basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted you to talk a little bit about that, your your high school career, um, and then transitioning into coaching shortly after with uh, after going to Pepperdine mm-hmm. and all of that. So um, what what was your experience with basketball? Where did that love come from, and how's it taking you to where you are today? Uh, the love came quick. Um, so I played pretty much every sport growing up. And the, the story my dad tells, um, it was third grade and just driving along and on the fence was like a local, what we would call NJB back then. I don't even know. Oh yeah, know. I was an NJB. NJB yeah. still exists, um, but it was basically city basketball, right? Mm-hmm. And so I just saw the thing on the fence advertising for our local city and I had not played basketball yet. So it was like, dad, can I go play basketball? Oh yeah, sure, let's go play basketball. And I was like kind of really good for a four foot whatever Asian kid, you know, like should not be that good at basketball, um, for never playing it. Um, just had a good feel for the game. I could like shoot kind of like with a normal form. I wasn't shooting with two hands. I had a high IQ. It was just weird. Right. So I loved it. Like the second I touched the basketball. So it's like the first time you were introduced to basketball was then? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, from there just played all the time, all sort of leagues. Um, I built my own hoop when I was 13. Um, or maybe I was, yeah, I think it was my 13th birthday. But I feel like I would have had a hoop before then. But our neighbors next door had a hoop, so I would always shoot on theirs. Um, but I think I asked for one for my 13th birthday. Um, and <laughs> knowing my dad, it's, like, so fitting. But, yeah, he's like, here, <laughs> you put it together. So I put together my own hoop at 13, and so then I had one from there on out. And 
um, yeah, it was a, a real easy love. It was pretty easy to figure that out. That's awesome. That's like you were born to do what you do now, mm-hmm. walking in your purpose at an early age. I actually started in NJB as well. Mm-hmm. And so that's where my love came from, was playing in that league. Yeah. Kind of natural. Yeah, I know, little things that were going on. I could shoot <laughs> for sure. I could just, I was fast. So, yeah. um, so you, you take that love, um, you know, moving through, mm-hmm. you know, youth league, and then you go to high school where um, they don't lose. Apparently, you guys had a 21-year record, or is yeah. it something like that, where you didn't lose the league and you were a part of all of those? Are, are, are your four years you were a part of those? Yeah, so Troy High School had, um, to my knowledge, it still might be the longest standing. It's broken since then, okay. uh, but it might be the longest standing league, consecutive league win record across the country. Mm. Um, and I know if, if it's been broken by somebody else since then, we're still in the top two or three, right? Um, so my four years, we went undefeated in league, um, and then having coached there for six years, we were undefeated those, those years too. So 10 of the, I think it ended up being 22 or 23 years, um, I was part of in some way or another. So it's really cool. Um, yeah, we won a lot at Troy high school. Um, I don't know if this is true. Somebody had told me this once. Um, I might be one of the few or only, um, that won a CF championship as a high school player, as an assistant coach and as a head coach. Um, so that's kind of cool. Um, so to be able to be a part of that at all three different levels and kind of seeing different roles and responsibilities, obviously that go into it at all three. Um, and I'm also technically an AD, so, uh, (laughs) that in there too. Um, but yeah, so it's been, uh, it's been a good experience and lots of wins. What is, what is the winning formula winning? Here, let me, I'm going to break this up a little bit Mm -hmm. in high school as a player. What, what was the winning formula? What do you think it was? then that was like oh this is how you win what was it then um well that's a good question and it's so interesting because i coached so differently than i was coached Hmm. and when we were playing high school basketball it was the way that kevin coached us it was you work your butt off um we're really mentally tough i think that was probably first and foremost what was poisoned into my mind was i'm mentally tough um we're gonna work harder than anybody else we're gonna be in really good shape um, and we were talented, right? And so you throw all that together. Um, and I think the biggest thing was that we had a really strong, like core of a belief in each other. Um, so to my knowledge, Kevin's kind of philosophy that he's, he shared with me was, I didn't care if you all hated me as long as you rallied around hating me. Yeah. So that bonded you guys together. Right. So he could just be how he was purposely to try to get us to, you know, be a little more cohesive. So it worked. Um, played for a CF championship almost every year that I was in high school. Um, never won a state championship as a high school player, but got to uh, the regional finals um, a couple different occasions. So I think that was what it was for me in high school. Um, but as a as a coach, my players wouldn't say that. They wouldn't wow. say those same. They wouldn't have those same ingredients. Um, I don't think so. Some of it's similar in terms of um, how how bonded the team is. You yeah. know, we play hard. Those types of things, but. <laughs> Um, I don't talk a lot about mental toughness um, and uh, a couple of the other things that might be on there. Yeah. So your players don't have the same ingredients and you don't talk about mental toughness mm-hmm. um, with them. So what do you, I mean, so how do you leave that out? Cause I, that's something I know mm-hmm. that we stress is like, Hey, have mental toughness. How do you implement that? Or why is it not directly implemented into that way you coach? I've never thought about this till now, so um, I don't really know the answer for that. I think maybe it was scarring for me, maybe, mm-hmm. 
And so it's like all this talk about mental toughness, mental toughness, mental toughness. And there was a lot of mind games that went into mental toughness Mm -hmm. that it's a trick, right? It was, they were tricking me into believing that. So maybe the way I coach is more so, like you said, it's, it's there and other things we do. I just don't ever use those words. I don't ever say, are you guys mentally tough? We got to be strong. We have to, you know, I don't, that just doesn't cross my mind. Um, I don't think that's as important if I were to pick my top three or five things. It's just, to me, it's not as important. And we're winning without it, without it. And it's not my kids aren't mentally tough. It's <laughs> right, just not right. something that I guess I feel I need to stress. And maybe that's why. Maybe they, they just are. And so yeah, I don't have to nice. bring it up all the time, or I don't have to trick them into thinking they are or aren't, mm-hmm. um, or constantly like battle with them over it. But yeah, maybe it's because I was scarred. <laughs> I think that might be a little trauma there. Yeah, a little Thanks. bit of trauma. Uh, was that Coach Kevin? Thanks. But no, uh, yeah. it, it's built you to who you are, and maybe it's, it's how you exude it in your coaching. Mm-hmm. And, um, no, that, that's kind of awesome, actually. It's like just kind of implemented because you don't mm-hmm. question the mental toughness of your girls ever, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so that's that's really fascinating yeah. to me um, that, that you can do that. So what are your top three? We'll go stick to three. Your top three things that you think are important um, mm-hmm. to being a coach of, um, you know, uh, Derek Fisher was on the show a couple weeks ago and he made this statement. I want to see if you agree with the statement first. Mm-hmm. And... It made more, way more sense that the boys' game of basketball is so different from the girls mm-hmm. that you can't compare them when you're watching them. And that's the issue of why people don't watch girls' basketball because they're trying to compare it mm-hmm. to the boys' game. And so do you agree with that? And what's your take on that? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't agree that they are so different. I do agree that people think they are. So I would say more so somebody who doesn't watch a lot of basketball would say that. Mm-hmm. So the typical... I hate to get into the, the gender stuff, but like the typical male fan, right? Mm-hmm. He only watches high level NBA basketball mm-hmm. and you see the dunks and you see the whatever, right? The mm-hmm. athleticism and it's a different game, right? So yes, when they watch a woman's game or they just don't even want to watch a woman's game because they're like, oh, I know women can't be that athletic. There's no way it can look like that. And obviously they can't dunk. So I'm not watching for that. The entertainment value is different, right? Got it. But I think if you're a true fan of basketball and you watch a lot of it, you actually know that there are a lot of similarities yes. um, and especially how much the women's games evolved, um, especially in the level of being athletic. Um, and how, gosh, there's so many ways that it's just gotten so, so much closer to what the men's game is like in terms of what people want to say. Right. Um, so no, I, so I agree and I disagree. Mm -hmm. Um, but what was the other point that Derek said? No, that was, that was the Derek point. So I just wanted to see if you agreed with that now, what are, cause I was going to, the question I have is uh, the top three things that I was going to say that are important for girls basketball, but maybe mm-hmm. just basketball in general then mm-hmm. um, that you think are important for a coach to implement into a program? Um, that's a loaded question because I, I kind of believe that every team's different. Right. And I actually just had a conversation with Derek um, a couple days ago and the level, when you come in as a professional basketball player um, and the story kind of that we had chatted about was like Phil Jackson coming into their program. Right. And so him, Kobe and Shaq have been playing together for four years or so. And so like, what does Phil do as like the orchestrator of that, right. of that team? Well, these are high level, like, yeah, Kobe was only in his fourth year. Um, but these are high level basketball players, right? So maybe you don't have to talk about mental toughness right, and right. you don't have to talk about being in top elite physical condition. Maybe you do like there, everybody's, everybody's different. And then every team's different. Right. right. So I don't know if there was like a formula 
necessarily for, hey, we can talk about accountability and we can talk about discipline and we can talk about commitment. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm kind of hoping that at this stage of my career with my teams, I don't really have to talk about commitment anymore. I don't have to talk about passion anymore. But on some teams, you do. And for some people, you do, because that's what they're missing, right? Um, You look at John Morant. Like, he's one of the most elite basketball players in the world. He needs to have some conversations about some other things right now, right? Right. And and you kind of wonder, like, why is somebody like that missing out on some of those conversations? Um, So I don't know if I have a, a good answer for that. Um, some things that we, that we preach that are kind of, um, I'll go a little more basic here is, um, one, I believe that better players make better people make better basketball players. So we focus on them as people first. That's my first and foremost. That's my basketball philosophy. Um, that's how I coach going to the camera a little bit more. Um, so when you come play for Sierra Canyon, we have a conversation about you're going to be the best person you can be. And I hope then when you start learning about, um, what it takes to be a good person in, in my eyes. And we talk about what it takes in their eyes, because those are two different things um, that those will then reflect on the basketball court because you've learned those lessons. And I think that's also what sports does for us. Right. So we talk about what does basketball do for us currently? If, if I'm a player and I'm 10 years old, what does it look like when I'm 20 years old and playing college? What does it look like now when I'm 45 years old? Um, and so there's a whole bunch of lessons there and you figure them out at different stages and you bring some with you and you get some new ones, you learn some new ones. Right. So, um, I think that's a big part of it is like being in tune to like the lessons it's giving you. Um, and that's going to make you a better basketball player too. So everybody's different. Every team's different. Um, but those are, that's the number one thing we focus on. Um, and then through that process, there's a lot I figure out about my team and my players. Um, and so then, would you think they've that's changed over the years then it's like hey this year's team this is these three things is what we're going to really have to focus on and uh the focus i think for me because it's part of my philosophy and like my vision is mm-hmm. is usually always the same and very okay. similar the conversations around it might change uh, and then if we're talking specifically about basketball that's always different because yes now we're looking at the team ahead of me and like hey this team can shoot the three well let's implement that into our offense yeah. hey this team cannot rebound like we better, we better start rebounding. You know, we focus on that. So in terms of like the basketball skill part and the X's and O's, um, that will change for sure. Depending on the personnel. Coaches, you can change your system. Yes. You don't have to be too traditional based on the players you have. Yes. And that's, you know, that's a key to success. There you go. (laughs) So you win state championships and get high rankings and and develop college ready players. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the, the growth development. I think so many kids grow and development is hindered by coaches' philosophy on mm-hmm. doing what is traditional and what they did when yes. they were in college. And, you know, the game has changed so much. It literally changes every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we find that out with, as far as the, the highest level, NBA. And whatever happening is happening in the NBA, it needs to trickle down to college and high school mm-hmm. so we can prepare the kids for with that potential to be prepared yep. um, when they get there. And I think so many coaches hold on to their tradition. And mm-hmm. this is what we did. This is what works. There's some foundational things that always work in basketball. Mm-hmm. You always have to have a triple threat. You always have to know how to shoot. You know, have to know how to, you know, free throws. Like, things mm-hmm. don't change. But yeah. Make the, the strategies and the movement and the spacing and mm-hmm. those things are always more relevant every year. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So, now... What was your beliefs winning as an assistant coach? Did they change from a player, to, you know, where you were hard work, mental toughness, then as an assistant coach, 
um, you know, playing for another, you know, or not playing, coaching a national team. Yep. And what were your, what would what, what change from? Ooh, that, that is another, these are good questions. These are things I've never thought of. Um, I would say just off the top of my head, the first thing that came to me was my role as an assistant is obviously so much different than it is as a player, than it is as a coach. And so my number one role as an assistant was to be loyal to the head coach um, and to specifically, um, I think one of the reasons I was part of that staff was I, I was a staff for my old high school coach, right? Um, so older male versus younger female. Um, and I was there to one beyond like what I could bring basketball wise. Like I was there to help relate to the younger girls that we were coaching. Right. And so I always looked at it in that sense of, I was always monitoring how they got along. Right. So I've said that out on all three levels, right. The, the cohesion of the team. Um, I don't, I don't like the word chemistry, um, mm-hmm. but like how well they get along is a huge part of winning. Um, and so that was kind of like part of my, my job duties was like handle, put out the little fires, right. Don't mm-hmm. bring them to the head coach. Yeah. Um, and so I think I was a little more in tune to that than I was anything else, um, outside of, again, the skill, um, we won because we were really good. Right, right, right. <laughs> we had little fires. We might have had a big fire. You put it out and this. <laughs> we're still going to win. We were pretty darn good at basketball. Um, so I think I think that obviously to win on the highest level, you have to have a skill set first. Yeah. But let's say that team A, B, and C are all equal on their skill set. Yes, what are those intangibles? Um, the team's got to get along. Um, they can't have egos. Um, the star players can't have egos. Um, for sure, unselfishness. There has to be a level of sacrifice. Um holding each other accountable in some regards, right? Uh, so there's a few things that that line up for the, the little recipe. I think you said something very key that resonates that as an assistant coach, your job is to be loyal to the head coach. And I think a lot of times because the players confide in you so much as the assistant coach, you're always the cool guy because you're not the one bringing the hammer down and mm-hmm. has the final say so that that loyalty, it gets tested yep. because you want to be cool with the players and you may not agree with some of the things that the coach mm-hmm. is doing, but you definitely have to respect it, honor it because you are under their their leadership. Yep. And so to all the assistant coaches out there mm-hmm. who are trying to be a head coach, keep that loyalty because you're going to want the same thing. Mm-hmm. Trying to go be a head coach and not being loyal to the, the head coach is, is going to, you know, you reap what you sow. Yes, and so for sure. I think that's super important. I I understood that when it got to a point um, when I was coaching and Paul knows this is like, hey, I'm not necessarily agreeing with some of your philosophies and the things you're doing. I'm not, I can't coach for you anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's cool. We're still best buddies, like yep. best man at his wedding. Like we're, we're still great friends. Mm-hmm. And just with basketball, it came to a point. It's like, hey, my, my philosophy has changed mm-hmm. or has developed or whatever it is. And I still honor you as a coach and I still yep. think people should play for you. But if those aren't in line, I can't assistant coach for you anymore yep. because it's, it's going against who I am. And mm-hmm. I had to be mature enough to recognize that and mm-hmm. not coach anymore, which, you know, it's, it's good. And, you know, I still want to coach a little bit. Mm-hmm. So um, that's the yep. way to do it, though, especially as an assistant coach who's trying to grow in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you, let's say I'm in the line of questioning here. So now as a head coach, what has changed? Um over time and winning and has it changed from winning earlier in your career mm-hmm. into now, you know, um, going into your 12th season? Um, I'll answer this and then let me know if I'm not answering it the way the question was asked. But I think the one thing that I've learned um, going through 11, co- 11 years as a head coach, 
um, and I have been coaching. This was my 19th season overall coaching high school basketball. Um, it's being adaptable. Um, and I think the other big thing is being authentic. Um, so I just recently had this conversation as well. Like when I first started coaching and it, now it's my team, right? So yeah, there's a lot, you bring, you bring yourself and your assistant coach, obviously as a player, that's a different conversation. Um, but you bring yourself to the table as an assistant, but you're not making the decisions. Like you're not dealing with, with the parents. Um, you're not necessarily obviously making the big time calls down, you know, all that stuff. Like you're not depending on where you are, you know, I'm, I didn't have to go to the practice plan. Yeah. I might've contributed a drill in it or did something right, but I'm not in charge. Now I'm in charge, and my first year coaching um, as being a head coach, I coached a lot of how I was coached. Mm-hmm. I brought to the table a lot of what I had been shown in my years past, right, whether that was playing or as a coach. So I think a lot of times you just go with what you know, and then obviously through experience, through maturity, through growth, like you figure out who you are. Um, and that's been very different. Um, I can't say the winnings changed as a result of it because we won in year one and we just won in our last year. So, um, but I think that's part of the recipe of sustainability mm-hmm. is like, you can't always do things the same way. Um, especially with the types of kids we have coming through. Um, and in, in 10 years, like, is it going to be the same? Is it going to be how, how much different, all that kind of stuff. Right. So I think authenticity is huge. And I was being authentic then. That's all I knew. Right. It right. wasn't like I was just like putting on a show that I was going to run a press because I pressed in high school. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was like, that's what I knew. I knew how to do it. Let's right. do it. Um, certain philosophies of, you know, we're running for every mistake. Well, yeah. that's what, that's all I knew. Right. And now I don't, I don't do that. The same, some of my players might disagree, but I don't do that anymore. <laughs> um, and it's different. So it's just learning. It's figuring out like really who you want to be. It's figuring out your kids. I think that's the most important part. Um, you have to adapt to who they are um, because they can't be coached like my group 11 years ago was coached. It, right. just, it wouldn't have worked out this year. Yeah, no, <laughs> we, we would have lost a lot more games. <laughs> um, it just wouldn't have worked out. Um, so I think that's probably the two biggest yeah, things. Absolutely. The um, what, what tools did you use to like have that growth? Because I think a lot of coaches, like you said, they teach what they know. I, when mm-hmm. I started as a trainer... I did what I learned in college. Like, mm-hmm. this is how you develop. And yeah. it worked and definitely has changed over the years. And so, you know, I've used mentors and, mm-hmm. you know, online workout videos to figure that out. Mm-hmm. As a coach who won as a head coach in our mm-hmm. first year, what tools did you use to continue to develop mm-hmm. your philosophy over years? Um, well, tools to continue to develop versus, like, figuring things out, I think are two different things, right? So, um I guess I just kind of figured out more to who I was by, I guess, constant self-reflection. I think one of my biggest strengths as a coach is that I know my players really well. And that's always been my strength, whether I was as a player, I knew my teammates really well. Um, When I was an assistant coach, I knew the kids well. And as a head coach, that's always, that's my bread and butter. I know my kids really, really well. As a basketball player or as a person? As a person. And just straight as a person. Yes. And And as a basketball player. And how, and how, how does that help you? It's everything. Okay. It's everything. Um, you know, there's the whole, like, there's a lot of cliches, right? We talk about there's buzzwords, there's cliches. And one of the biggest ones is that they don't care about you until you know, they know how much you care about mm-hmm. them, right? Um, and so you have to show them you care. You have to show them you care. And everybody knows that, but some people can't authentically do that. Right. And um, I've never had to think about that because that was just, that's how I coach. Yeah. I, I just, I care about my kids. And so I've, I've always known that. So until I read it in a quote somewhere, it's like, oh, that, that is my philosophy. That is what I do. But I didn't realize, you know, I realize now, but 
however many years ago, I didn't realize that's like a, a philosophy or that's right. a thing. Like we shouldn't have to tell people that. Um, right. that's, people should just you know that like that's like <laughs> coaching one-on-one like check that box that you care for the people you're coaching right mm-hmm. um so i think that's a big part of it um what was the question going back to so um so with that yeah what tools did you use to mm-hmm. develop hey so that's that's you a natural thing that you've had mm-hmm. and you figuring it out as yes. you self-reflect and now the tools that you've used yeah so if i'm going with like actual physical tools um it's just i'm a person who seeks knowledge and so i always wanted to be the best version of myself and the best coach i could possibly be right so going to clinics as much as possible um listen, now it's listening to podcasts 10 years ago there weren't really podcasts to listen to um big book reader so reading and at that time way back when when i first started just coaching period I mean, I bought, like, the old school books. <laughs> like, they, I don't even know if, like, people know what I'm talking about. Like, they exist anymore. But, um, like, literally, like, Basketball 101 and, like, yeah. reading and what's a screen and all the kinds of... Now, yes, I knew what they were, but, like, let's learn as much about it as, as possibly can, right? So now the books are a little more advanced. Uh, we're not reading about Basketball 101 <laughs> anymore. Um, but it's just learning. And yeah. it's figuring out what tool works best for you. Some people love to read. Some people can't ever read anything. Um, obviously now there's so much knowledge that's available for all of us with everything that's available on the internet and YouTube and podcasts and Twitter. And like, you can, you can learn so much. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the tools have increased, which is fantastic. Um, but I think it was just like the, the yearning to want to be better. Like that, that has to exist first. Mm -hmm. Um, cause it has to be authentic. And then there's so many tools available now to do it, which is great. Yeah. What was the motivation to keep like, you, I, I come back to it because I think we get, you know, we can settle. It's like, you won your first year. What made you think that you had to keep getting better? Like, what is that? What is that driver? Um, I mean, going back to like reflect that far back, I don't know if, if that was like anything that just clicked. That's just who I am. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if there was ever a moment of like, hey, you won, but you got to get better. <laughs> like, um, that's just how that's just how I think like this was my 11th year he said five state championships we just came off of a national championship like we've had eight league champions you know whatever it's not just about the winning because I think sometimes we get caught up in that too um winning doesn't define my success as a coach um so it's not okay I I want to say championship I I don't need to get better I clearly know what I'm doing I'm at the top of the top of the top like no like I gotta get better just for just for who I am and for the sake of my kids um and basketball's evolving and there's new terminology and there's new yeah, there's, systems and there's and there's so many things right so if i want to stay up i got to stay up um and so again that's just part of my personality i think um but yeah i don't really know how else how else to answer it no, that's it's just it. that's it, it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's innately in you and so yeah. um i'm just trying to help the people who don't have that it's mm-hmm. like how do you you know how do you find that driver if you do see some level mm-hmm. of success and continue to get better and yep. I think you mentioned some of those things. If uh, for for maybe your assistant coaches, what do you do for them to develop them? I know most of the time the goal is, you know, unless you got one of them old time assistants who mm-hmm. is retired and they want to be an assistant coach forever. But, you know, most assistant coaches are probably looking to be a head coach. Yep. Do you have what do you have in place for them to develop them um, to get there? I think the first is conversations. Um, so we are constantly just keeping in touch with each other about beginning of the year like is there something you didn't do last year that you want to do this year is there something you did last year that you don't want to do anymore this year right um so that just from that simple question spurred conversations in the last few years 
I've been with my staff now. Um, so my finished my 11th year at Sierra. Um, so Kyle's been with me, I believe, for eight um, of the 11. And then uh, Steve's been with us now for maybe four or five of the 11. So together, we've been together for four or five years, right? Mm-hmm. So starting to figure things out um, together. So it's that one simple conversation can like change so much as long as they have an answer. Right, right, right. Because um, there's the people who don't want to speak up, right? Like, so, I don't know. Whatever, I'll do whatever. <laughs> right? I really won't do it ever. It's like, <laughs> no, you won't. You got to figure out something. Um, and the fact that they're that they're honest and that they are going to speak up, that we can have those conversations, right? Um, so I think as a head coach, it's not being fearful of conversation um, mm-hmm. and truth, right? Because if they were to say, well... You know, to be honest, like you're in charge of the guards, coach, and I think I could actually maybe not do it better, but like you're not doing a great job. I gotta be able to hear that, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, cool, we want the guards, go ahead and have the yeah. guards. Um, so it's yeah, it's having those conversations, I think, first and foremost. Um, so that's the beginning of the year, and then the end of the year, we and throughout the year, we're self-evaluating and we're reflecting, we're doing all that stuff. Um, but one of the questions at, or not a question at the end of the year is we work on a project every summer. Um, so I give them some ideas of things that I want to see happen and if they don't agree with those or they don't want it no problem it's not their passion i want something that they're gonna be passionate about so we we have a conversation about it um and it's like okay bring it you think that was a good idea cool you didn't whatever but now bring something new to the table um so by the end of summer they have to have concluded whatever their project was so it allows them to grow it allows us as a program to grow and as a team to grow um, and it just helps us kind of figure out um maybe something that was missing or something we want to improve on for the next year Perfect. And with with that, how do they get into or what opportunities do they have to actually coach? Right. And, and be in that yeah. lead seat to, you know, um, have their voice heard and, and see what kind of leader they are. What kind of opportunities do you give them for mm-hmm. that? Um, that goes through a lot of different things. Um, but I would say specifically, I'm a big believer in, in the amount of time we spend practicing compared to how much we play games, right? So I think a lot of stuff has to happen in practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that can be, hey, you have a drill you want to bring to the table, like run it. Um, it could be today maybe you're running the practice plan and I'm just going to sit there and watch and observe, right? So it comes in a lot of different forms, but it's also whatever is comfortable for them, whatever they want to do. And mm-hmm. that goes back to those early conversations. Um, it's not so much, I don't think it's my job to be creative with ways to make them feel comfortable. We're past that. So if they're not feeling comfortable, that's a different conversation. Um, and if, if it's in them to want to be a head coach and they want to learn the most about this, this, or this, and they want to grow in this category, that goes back to the conversation, right? Um, so I don't necessarily need to be creative in coming up with ways to make yeah. them feel like ingrained because they're already there. Um, and it would be kind of reflective on whatever their answer was. Perfect. Is there a way that if someone wants to learn from you and, you know, we take books and audio books and podcasts and that they kind of become our our digital mentors, is there a way people can learn from you? I know you do some type of stuff, you know, you do Nike camps and all those Mm -hmm. kinds of things. Is there any other way that people can learn from you? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing I think is we, I mean, assuming that you're local, um, we usually have somebody who volunteers every year um, and you're in it. Uh, you're coming on trips with us. Uh, you're part of every single part of coaching um, as much as you want to be. Um, so that would just be a simple reach out. Like, hey, I'm looking to volunteer this year. Um, we don't just take anybody. <laughs> you right. you, gotta, you can't mess things up. Uh, so um, I think the biggest thing there is as long as you're, you're hungry and you want to learn and you want to help, like, then you're, you're going to get it. Um, so we do have that opportunity coming to practice and just watching um, and asking questions and, and all that stuff is all obviously possible. 
Um, and then I have a couple of like free resources online um, that are simple, just presentations and stuff that I've given before, so they can always get those as well. Cool. Where can people find those? We'll put it in the description so people got it. Um, the, probably the best way is my school email. So that's A-K-O-M-A-K-I at sierracanyonschool.org. Um, and then the, the website is sportsdrillbank.com. So let's just talk about this past year. Um, mm -hmm. Awesome year, national champions. Mm -hmm. What what was that like? Is this this is the first team you were the head coach? And you were the national champions, correct? Oh yes, <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> you know you've had a lot of good years. So uh, national champions this year. Yeah. Traveled all over the country. Mm -hmm. What was that experience like? Or maybe different from previous years? Um, incredible is kind of the first simple word that comes to mind, um, and the second word is probably exhausting. <laughs> Um, but in a, in a really good way, you can be exhausted and not be miserable and right. not be negative. Right. Um, it was purposeful. So we intentionally went across the country, um, to take on everybody's best and, and kind of like prove that we were national champions, like that we could be capable of being national champions. We right. didn't know what anything would look like. We didn't know we would go undefeated, you know, throughout the majority of the year. Um, so it was definitely intentional. Um, it was fun. It was really fun. And I think that at our level, being in high school, you have to have the right group of kids to do that. Yeah. Um, one, a lot of schools just can't do that, period. Um, there's costs. There's missing school. There's um, being caught up with your homework and having teachers that are flat. There's all that stuff, right? So we have such a supportive uh, school environment that allows us to do that. Um, and then you have to have the kids who are on top of it and they can handle and it wasn't like we missed a ton of school. A lot of it was over breaks and doing different stuff, but they have to be able to handle the academic side of it and communication with teachers and the accountability that goes with all of that. And then you have to play at a very, very high level. Um, and then you have to be a little bit smart with the scheduling. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things we took a red eye and like we landed and we had to have practice and we played the next day at on, it was East Coast time. So it was 11 a.m. East Coast time. So take a red eye, you don't get sleep. The next day you land go to the gym, you got to practice and get prepped for the game. You got to watch film. You got to do all this stuff you got to do and then go to sleep. Hope, hope you go to sleep um, on a different time zone and wake up and play, which would be 8 a.m. our time against the number two team in the country. So, um, some, <laughs> thank, God, thank God you won, right? <laughs> some of it isn't in your hands, you know, right. some of it is as much in your hands as possible and then yeah. some of it's not. So, um, it was really, really fun. Just uh, such a special group, um, such a special year. And so just really memorable. Um, don't take it for granted at all. It's like you never know if it'll ever happen again. Um, and I think I think what a lot of people don't realize, and a lot of people are, are really salty because we lost our last game of the year and we won a national championship. And yeah. so local people, of course, are like, how did they win when they didn't even win a state championship? And that's the thing. About? Like, I don't choose who's a national champion. Right. <laughs> like, ESPN did. I'm sorry. Right. Um, and so I think a lot of it is just like you have to understand. Now I understand like, if I'm ever that person who's salty, like, looking at who's at the top of the top, it's like, what goes into all of it? Yes. Um, and to have done that the way we did it, I don't think anybody's ever done it the way we did it this year. Um, like, I, I truly think, like, we earned ourselves a national championship. 100%. 100%. Um, where sometimes you you go throughout the year and you play, and, like, yeah, you beat two or three top-ranked teams, and they just never lost again. Mm -hmm. And then that, they had to choose you because you're undefeated. Like we won and we lost our last game. Like I think that actually like really tells a lot about the team that we had. Yes. Um, so it's just like you don't take it for granted. Um, you understand that there's a lot, a lot, a lot of work that goes into it. And it's not just having the most talented team. 
there's a lot of talented teams. And we might not be the most talented team. Um, we played a lot of teams that I actually feel might have been more talented across the board than we were. Um, if you look at our if you look at our team and you just look at the makeup of the kids, it's like how did how did that group win a national championship? Just like looking at us, right? Yeah. Um, we're so diverse. Uh, we're small. Um, we're big, but we're small. Right. Um, we got a small roster. We traveled with twelve kids. You know, it's just oh wow, it's unique. Yeah, um, had twelve kids, so yeah, and, it's endurance. It's That's what that sounds like: endurance and perseverance through yeah. it all. The um, I think, I think the biggest. What here? Let me ask you this: What do you mm-hmm. think the biggest takeaway was for the players, for the girls, um, from? that experience of just traveling the country and being a national champion? Oh, that's tough. Um, some of them have ultimately answered it in one way or another. Um, and it's funny, and this is why I think we are who we are and, and that we are so good, is that they didn't take away the national championship. Like, they took away the time together awesome. and the memories together. Yeah. Um, and that's, like, all they talk about. And that's what they should be talking about, right? Um, that's why I say, like, our success isn't defined on our wins. They will all remember the national championship. Right. Um, they're going to get a ring to signify it, right? right. They're going to get a banner in the gym to signify it. Right. But it's that we had so much fun, like, when we were on those trips, um, playing in front of the, the arenas that we played in front of and the crowds and the competition and being on TV. Um, like, those aren't things that are common, sadly, for female basketball players, Right. And so the fact that they got to have all those great experiences, and yeah, they won doing it, um, but it was more so just like, they're going to look back in 10 years and they're not going to remember the score when we played Sidwell. Right. They're going to remember like what we did on the trip together, right? And how much fun they had. So yes. that's important. No, I think it's great. You guys are breaking down barriers to be a high school team to travel and to, mm-hmm. like you said, be on TV. And, you know, it has to do with the players on the team. But like you said, all, a lot of teams around the country have players. It's about the bond that they created. Yep. And what's the word you use? You don't use chemistry. Connections. Connections mm-hmm. that they have with one another. And you can see it. You can see the growth over the year, mm-hmm. for sure. You know, having a player's dynamic as Juju, I'm mm-hmm. sure, is tough in itself to to manage that and to know, hey, no one to let her go. No one yep. to, hey, let's use the team. And for sure. It's mm-hmm. it's uh, the, the masterpiece of that and her growth over the year was I'm sure important as it was for all the girls mm-hmm. and having a lot of them back next year, mm-hmm. they have that experience and to, you know, come into their own and, yep. and, and continue to develop. And so to try to go do it again. Right. I mean, that's the goal is try to go do it again. Yes. So, so you're traveling a lot next year as yeah. well. Next year might be crazier than this last year, which is, I didn't oh, think it was possible. Gracious. So, um, and the fun so thing, you want a volunteer coach? Yeah. Let's go. You're ready. You're the volunteer <laughs> this year. You know, the fun thing was like, again, I said it was exhausting and, and it was in like all the right ways. Um, but like our boys program does this a lot. Right. right. And, um, Andre and I talk and it's kind of like, and you can even just see it like how tiring it is like on them, right? And that you could lose games just because you took the risk to go across the country to play right. a team, right? Um, so there's a lot there's a lot more risk to it, I think, than ultimate, I mean, the ultimate reward is great. Um, and so I was pretty careful about how I tried to arrange a lot of the travel and we weren't going East Coast to West Coast all the time. It was right. like, that was one big trip. Uh, we kind of went, you know, whatever. There's a lot of, of details to it. Um, and then now having had experienced it, like I learned just a little bit, like, I think we did it right. Um, and so we learned a little bit. And so taking that into next year and, and trying to be aware of that, um, 
you know, there's some things I've had to turn down because it's just like, it's not going to make sense for us. Um, it won't, it won't be fun if we're doing that and then that, and then that, and then that, (laughs) it's just not going to work. Um, so as badly as we want to take that game, you know, sometimes you have to say no. And I think that's also kind of a lesson learned is, um, you want the most for your kids. You want to put them on that high level. You want to be on ESPN. You want to go put them in front of 5,000 fans because that doesn't ever happen for girls basketball, but at what cost, right? And so figuring out kind of what that balance is. So when you go on that national stage, it brings the attention that girls get highlighted and opportunity for them to get recruited better. Mm-hmm. What is the balance of playing on a national level team like that, being able to be seen, and then like AAU ball? Is there a balance to that, like to being on the national championship team? Uh, do the girls receive attention and get recruited just because they're on the national high school, national, you know, championship high school team? Or do they really still have to make their mark in AAU? What does that look like with that balance? Um, interesting. I think it depends on the kid. Okay. And um, it depends on kind of there's, there's so many answers to that. Like it depends on what, um, what in, like where were they before the year started? Like what age are they? What grade are, you know, all that kind of stuff like matters. Mm-hmm. So like McKinley Randolph is one of the best players in the country. Max going to be one of the best players in the country, whether she plays for me or she goes plays her chats or down right. the street. Like she's, that's who she is. She doesn't even, she doesn't need to play at all this summer. She doesn't need to play at all next year. Like she's got her offers and she's set and she's going to go wherever she wants in the country. Right. Um, us winning a national championship had nothing to do with her. You know, it, it helped. Maybe it helped one of the top schools in the country who wants her watch her play against the top teams in the country. And they're like, right. yeah, we thought that's who she was. <laughs> and we were right. Confirmed. Right? Yes. Confirmed. Um, so and those are probably the rare specific cases where that that's the case. Right. Um, I think it helps uh, for sure with kind of our name and um, the success of the program that people are willing to take players from our program based on conversations I've had just because they've played for us. Right. Um, so there's some of that to it, but I think they also have to go and and prove themselves, um, not necessarily prove themselves in club basketball, but that's where the college recruiters go watch you play. Right. So you have to go prove yourself in front of college coaches, whatever that looks like, whether that's them to get our own practices um, it's rare that they're at a lot of our games during the year because they're in their own season, um, so they really don't make it really till playoff time or if we're in their city. Right. Um, so it's really practice time in the preseason. It's games sprinkled in between major showcases. Um, so it's just whenever you're in front of them, you gotta you gotta prove who you are. Yeah. Um, and then that's my job too. Like I gotta form the relationships with the college coaches where I can have a conversation with them and they're gonna trust and believe what I say that somebody's good enough, right? No, it's always good to know, you know, in boys basketball, some people just have this, I'm only going to play high school, I'm only going to play mm-hmm. AAU, or AAU is really, really matters. It doesn't matter what high school mm-hmm. you go to, and, um, you know, just want to see the difference in maybe girls basketball, and, or just in basketball in general, playing on that national level, mm-hmm. what the impact is, you know, versus being in a saturated AAU place. Yes. It's, it's super saturated. And, yes. Um, interesting. It's its own beast. It's its and own so, beast. Um, yeah, that's, that's good information for me to know, just when to give the information to the mm-hmm. kids. Um, now you've been coaching high-level players for a long time, mm-hmm. a long time even before Sierra King and yeah. Modern Day. I'm probably at Troy as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what's the biggest separator from the ones who just are... I want to call them elite as far as this all around. What, what, what is the biggest separators that you've seen? Um, I would 
I would say probably top of my head, the biggest thing they have in common is their competitive spirit. Um, a lot of times, like as coaches, we say we don't, we shouldn't ever have to coach passion and effort and all that stuff. Right. And so we really don't, but there's like a level above coaching competition, right. And getting kids to compete and like what that actually means and looks like you can think you're competitive, but like knowing what it means to be a competitive basketball player, right. And that that makes everybody around you better. Um, and that you're constantly competing against yourself. So like you want to be the best. And so you're working outside of the gym, um, outside of practice, like on your own time that you bring teammates with you to do that, that you're just like, you're raising the level for everybody else. And I think that's like the absolute separator is that it doesn't like, yeah, it's great if you're a leader. Um, it's great if you talk more than somebody else talks, like all these little intangibles coaches talk about, but they don't have that in common. The ones that I've seen. Um, the thing they have in common is, is for sure their competitive spirit. Um, I've never had a top player not be competitive. Right. Like, not even close. And it's not even like, okay, yeah, you can be competitive. No, they are competitive. At everything. At everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. To, from ping pong to... Yes. Yeah, whatever. Scavenger hunts to tic-tac-toe. <laughs> I've seen, and I've seen it because I put them in those situations. Yes. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> why are you competitive doing that? Well, that's why you're the best. Yeah. That makes sense. And how do you manage having, you know, five-star, four-star, two-star, all the way down, mm-hmm. right? How do you manage that? What is the best advice you give somebody who's maybe dealing with that or wants to deal with that? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you manage it? Um, I would say this is something that I never really knew I did. Um, I knew, I, I guess I knew I did it. I just, again, it's natural for me, so I never thought about it. Um, so Juju actually brought it to my attention this year. Um, she said, one of the reasons you're so good is that you treat me the same way you treat the kid who never plays. Mm. And so she sees that as like the superstar, right? And it's like, you require just as much of that kid as you do of me, which is why she gives everything she can, which is why our practices are better, which is why I'm better, right? You hold her and you hold me to the same level of accountability. Um, and that everybody's just treated the same in terms of like the levels of expectations. Like I, I believe that I don't treat everybody the same because we're not all the same. Right. So, um, whatever, having different conversations with different things about different, whatever. Um, so I never really thought about that. And I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. (laughs) And it's pretty cool that one of the best players ever played the game was the one who brought that to my attention, um, and felt that it was like an important part of why we're so good. Um, because everybody feels important, I think was, is the bottom line of it it's that i could easily ignore the kid who's never ever gonna go on the court and play for us right just okay you're a practice high five high five or whatever but who cares like you don't contribute at all well yeah they do contribute and so you have to believe that as a coach that they're bringing just as much to the table as the kid who's scoring 30 points a game yes have you read the book what drives winning no brett ledbetter it is so crazy so he's do you know brett ledbetter Mm -hmm. so he's a the former coach and now he goes around um, doing these workshops or programs for like Gonzaga, um, yeah. some of the top other sports programs in the country. Mm-hmm. And the whole basis of the book is, you know, the, the person is more important than what they do in their sport. Mm-hmm. And you are like, it's going to be, you're going to read that book and it probably is like how you do things. Mm-hmm. And so I just wonder if you read it because it's, it's I'm going like to read it now. So on par. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. I have actually, I have an extra copy. I'll give it to you. All right. Um, it's one of my favorite books, but it is literally, you're just, um, confirming and approving his mm-hmm. point of, Hey, when you are more focused on who the 
player is mm-hmm. and who they are and you treat them with I don't want to call it justice you treat them mm-hmm. with justice that that's how you get the best out of them yeah. and that's how you get the respect mm-hmm. and that's how they become their best version mm-hmm. of themselves because of the example that you're showing with it so <clears throat> that's um uh, no that's incredible it's, it's just proven that more and more it's like man I just got to be I got to be a keep being a better person mm-hmm. all the basketball stuff right yeah it's kind of easy once you mm-hmm. know what you're doing with it and yep. the investment that you're making into the to the girls is is yep. way more powerful and it's going to last past when they're done with basketball mm-hmm. for sure so that's very awesome all right we're going to hop into our next segment which is uh my rushmore all so right your top oh. four <laughs> i'm not ready yes this is the this is one of my favorite segments so it's going to be your top four we're going to do Top four coaches, girls high school basketball in okay. Southern California. Current. Current. Okay. Current. Current or um, not current? <laughs> we're gonna go. We're gonna go current. Have to be coaching. Have currently. to be currently coaching a high school okay. team. All right. Let's. Uh, I'm gonna go with the most easy, obvious answer is Kevin Kiernan, who's at Modern Day High School, my former high school coach, the all-time winningest coach in California history. He's at 800 and something wins. That's um, it? Yeah. It's, it's, maybe, it's probably more than that. It's probably more than that because I don't keep track. Um, and just, I think a big way you measure success is like how long you've been able to sustain it. Yeah. And he's been coaching for 35 years and he's been at the top. Everywhere he's gone, he's coached at different different schools. Um just yeah, so he's he's up there for sure. He gets his first base on the on the Mount Rushmore list. Um, hate to follow that with like the cliche who's behind you in the wins column, uh, but that would be Melissa Hurley at Harbor Westlake, um, who spent a lot of time at Alameda High School before then. Mm-hmm. Um, just like a legend in the game, um, and a good person gives back, um, mentors, has great conversations. Um, so I've always just like respected her. Um, and is still doing it at a high level. And I think, I think the fun part too, um, for somebody like Melissa is when you win, maybe, uh, gosh, she would like kill me. She saw this, I like age her out there, but like, whatever you win in like 1990 and then you win again in like 1999 and then you win again in 2020, like that it's been like a journey and it's been like a process and to again, sustain, um, over years is pretty impressive. Um, and I've coached against both of them this year. So let's keep going with people uh, I've coached <laughs> against for a long time and this year. Um, we're going to go with Terry Bamford from La Jolla Country Day, yeah. who is an absolute legend um, across the country, but for sure in the county of San Diego. Um, I don't know Terry's full history, so I don't know if she's been at another school, but she's been coaching there since I was in high school. So uh-huh. it's been a while. Mm-hmm. And has coached some of the best players to ever play, um, women's basketball, Kelsey Plum being one of them. Um, Candace Wiggins, who is one of my favorite teammates of all time, played club basketball with her for a very short time. Um, so she's she's up there for coaching legendary uh, basketball players. And um, you touched on that earlier, like there's more to then to getting those kids to perform, yeah. right, and getting them to be their best. And like Terry's had some of the best, and she's gotten them to be their best when they were in high best. school. Um, and has won, I have no idea how many section titles in um in San Diego, so she's up there for sure. Um, I'm going to go with a little spinner here on the last one because you said current coaches. Um, mm-hmm. So Vanessa Nygaard would be on there uh, for one word, but she's no longer coaching high school basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know if it's quite south enough, but I'm going to go with um, Craig from Clovis West, okay. 
um, which is in Fresno-ish area, mm-hmm. is same thing. Like just owns that area of California. Yes. Yeah. Um, has won something insane, like thirteen straight section championships. Um, really good guy. Does things the right way. Um, and has he's one of those guys that does have a system and sticks to it. Do they do dribble drive up there too? They do no. dribble drive and they press. Yeah, okay, same as the boys. That, uh-huh. is that whole, yes. they are serious about that stuff. Yes. Wow. I don't know the girls did it on their side too. Yes, yeah. they do. So sense. he's, um, you know, and we, we, we spread it out a little bit. So we got our, our two SoCal people. We got San Diego and uh, the Fresno area. Love it. Craig Campbell, by the way, didn't give his last name. Awesome. So my, uh, my four looks a lot similar. The first three I'm keeping, and I'm, okay. I, I don't know Craig. <laughs> I didn't know what he did. We're putting Alicia Kamaki on that. Uh, <laughs> Molly Rushmore. If she's not going to do it, I'm going to do it. Just there you go. Over the years, the level of girls that you've coached and brought the best out of them and being able to do it at such a high level through your whole career as a player, as a coach. Um, and you're like, this, is, this still feels like the beginning, I'm mm-hmm. sure, for you. Every year is like, oh, I'm doing this again for <laughs> 10 more years, right? And so you're just continuing to do it and... Um, we've talked about this, is that uh, somebody, who is that? I believe it was Chris Johnson was on the show, and he just talked about how when you're ready, it's kind of like when the the student is ready, the teacher appears type thing. Mm-hmm. And just even on that level is like when these players are ready to be good, they come to Sierra Canyon. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a testament to who you are and what you've created. And I think that is the biggest thing. It's like you have a draw to elite and high-level players mm-hmm. to come to you um and it's just a natural it's a natural fit and all you do is just do the same thing hey (laughs) who are you let me get to know who you are and hey i'm gonna show you basketball while we're at it and so uh you belong up on there for southern california (laughs) you guys can argue with me if you want to but there you go that's what i believe it's a good list it's a tough list there are some incredible coaches um throughout Throughout our whole state, I, I truly think we have the best. We have a big state, but yeah, uh, we got the best. So, it makes it, yeah. it makes it tough. That, that's why I love doing that. It's because you got to really think about it and see who's made an impact. And like mm-hmm. you said, to you, coaching is just like who can actually coach. Mm-hmm. It's not just you know winning games is one thing, but who can actually coach. And mm-hmm. so, um, I think that that uh, closes up the mountain. And, uh, closes up the mountain. <laughs> closes up the mountain. <laughs> um, awesome. So our next segment is where were you when? Mm-hmm. So we're gonna go to two. Um, I think one of them was just impactful because of uh, you being a coach where uh, at Sierra Canyon where mm-hmm. people had relationships um, with co- that sounds weird that sounds relationships with coaches right <laughs> they, <laughs> they connections moved. yeah they had connections yeah we're gonna start using the word connections mm-hmm. we're gonna go back to um, you know Kobe passing away and um, that whole thing and I'm sure it impacted you personally but also your community because of how closely some of your players or people in your community were to him and what was that like for you and the moment that it happened for you? Yeah. Um, it's weird. Cause I, it's kind of one of those few moments in life where somebody says, where were you when? And mm-hmm. you actually remember like in vivid detail. And, and yes, it wasn't that long ago, but I know when I'm 80 years old and somebody says, right. I'm going to remember in vivid detail. Um, sadly, it's like that in like nine 11, so yes. like the, right. the two moments I remember, right. like where were you when? Um, so we happened to be running actually a a tournament that weekend. Um, and I had two of my players that were working the door. So I was sitting in my office and like the door uh, was not too far away. And I just hear like, coach, 
And I was like, yeah. And I was like, um, Kobe Bryant? Like, just kind of like, because they got an alert or something, right? right? right, right. It's like, I think TMZ was actually, so then you're kind of like, TMZ broke it, you know? Yes. And I was just like, huh? And I go out there and they show me an alert. And I was just like, there's no way that's real. Like, there's just no way, guys. So we go on, we turn on the TV in the office, um, and it's everywhere. Um, and it, and it was just like a really weird feeling, um, and this really weird, like quiet inside. And then to kind of like start figuring out the details and it's like, they were on their way to a tournament. Um, I know a lot of people who were at that tournament at the time or so then you kind of just try to start figuring out like, was, is this true? Even if it's on TV, like, is it true? Um, so that was like the moment of figuring it out. And then just like the whole, the whole year, the whole last few years of remembering, um, and dealing, right. And that there have been people close to our community. Um, some people that were very close to our community, um, that are still dealing with it. And, um, like with any tragedy in the world, but like, this is one that you're going to assume, you know, you were on the team. Right. And so you are going to relive this every year because it's going to be memorialized forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you have to keep dealing with that tragedy for yourself is like a lot as a, at the time, 14 year old girl. Right. Right. And, and now I'm going to get that with her when she's 15, when she's 16, when she's 17, when she's, and like forever for the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been a big lesson for me just on like compassion and like empathy and like dealing with people who have gone through, like, I've had tragedy myself, but nothing that will be forever memorialized and brought up in the public eye like that would be, right? And so um, it's been uh, tough, but it's been really good to just learn and grow in that that kind of a respect and, um, you know, continue to go through that. So it's uh, something we never wish happened, obviously, but um, I also love one of my parts about it that I think has been so important is that Kobe always had, I've always been a big Kobe fan. And Kobe always had, um, shouldn't say always had, he had a not great reputation of the person he was because of the teammate he was sought to be. And so when when this happened and all the amazing stories came out there, that was the part that I just loved. Like it changed, um, it showed who he really was, um, which is, we've had this conversation a little bit in a different respect of like how you judge people, right? And like, who I am as a basketball coach, you know, people perceive me as a person because of maybe how passionate I coach basketball. It's like, you would have never have any idea of my actual true personality. (laughs) Right. right? right. Um, or things like that. Right. And so I think it's been, it's been great that like who he really was as a person got brought to light. Mm -hmm. Um, because a lot of people had a negative impression, maybe, um, maybe not of him as a basketball player, but of who he was as a person, um, for some of those things. So I think that's been enjoyable. Um, learning more about who he actually was and um, all the great things he brought to the world, but specifically to women's basketball. Yes. And like what he was doing for the sport was incredible. And that some people um, that were on his similar platform have kept that, um, stepped up for sure, uh, because they saw what he was doing. um, And it's important. So it's been been good. Yeah. And I'll make sure I say this the right way. I think what you said, like what he did for women's basketball. I, I never wanted my daughter to play basketball just because mm-hmm. I'm a crazy coach. Mm-hmm. And so I never wanted to do the daddy ball thing and mm-hmm. uh, just be that, you know, tough on her. And so, but in, with him and what he was doing, it made me like, oh man, like 
he's giving his daughter and all mm -hmm. these girls the best gift in the world, mm -hmm. the best gift in the world. And then um, I'm good, uh, good friends with uh, Rashad Phillips, mm -hmm. who, same thing, he has a daughter, and I told him that one time, he's like, you're crazy if you don't give the one thing that you know the best mm -hmm. to your kid. I don't care, boy, girl, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always battling that. I really, really am. Hopefully my daughter doesn't like basketball. <laughs> but if she does, if she asks me, it's like, yeah. man, I want to be, I want to be like Kobe was. Like mm -hmm. he was literally in the thick of it and mm -hmm. doing it at a very high level. And I'm like, okay, I, I would have to consider this if mm -hmm. my daughter one day tells me. She likes it. Right now, she doesn't. We did a training session. <laughs> we did a training session. And I was like, did you have fun? She said, yes. Do you want to do it? She said, no. It's only for one time, Daddy. I'm uh, like, yes. Stay away. Stay you away. Got, you got a lot of time around. <laughs> yeah, I know. She, and she's around it all day. So I'm sure it's not going to. Yeah. We'll see how long that lasts. But I uh, thank you for sharing that. Uh, and the next one, we're going to March 13th, 2013. Mm -hmm. You beat uh what school was it, it horizon was christian horizon christian mm -hmm. for the regional championship mm -hmm. and uh just tell the story i think it's a great story <laughs> yes so kind of reflecting back right this was my first year being a head coach um had just come off of two state championships with modern day as an assistant coach and we're here we're in the moment we're playing in the regional championship game and um it's an incredible game uh to this day it's one of the best players i've ever coached against uh dj Nate carrington um, who went on to Baylor and Stanford, is in the WNBA now, incredible basketball player. Uh, we win the game by one point. It comes down to the wire. It's insane. It's, it's out of control. Uh, one of my favorite games of all time, too. And afterwards, my players are all crying, and they're celebrating. And it's like, I've seen, I've seen us be happy, like tears of joy, right? Of course. And you can kind of tell the difference. And it kind of seemed like it was tears of a little bit of sadness, so, you know, we're bringing it all in, we're all happy, and it's like, why are you guys crying? Like, we should just be so happy that we're going to go play for a state championship. And I didn't say those words, I just said, why are you guys crying? And they said, because it's over. And I said, what's, what's over? They're like, our season, it's over. I, and, and it's like adorable. This team had no idea. They had never been to state. They didn't, right. they didn't even, they just didn't know what any of that looked like, right? And so... I go, no, guys, it's like, it's just beginning. Like, we're going to go play for a state championship, you know, like tomorrow. <laughs> we're getting all the best, like, in the next day or two. Um, and it was just such a perfect memory of it being my first state championship as a head coach. Like, the one I can really claim and yeah. say was, like, mine and ours. Um, and that it was, like, this most innocent moment, like, just makes it so much better. Um, because we did talk about, like, I came from winning. Like, yeah. I, I had this you know, whatever. And so like, it wasn't that it had its own completely separate yeah. meaning and, and thing and all that good stuff. So, um, it was personal and it was memorable. Um, and then we also took care of business and won a state championship. Did they cry so, again? They did not. <laughs> so they, 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 not. they, they used their cry for yeah, that they reason. Used their cry, <laughs> but they thought everything was over. Yeah, they probably did to be honest, but, um, more, it was like, it wasn't like that though. It wasn't it was more like of that. a celebratory cry. Like yeah, we did it. Like that. That's hilarious. Yes. Thing. yes. Hey, they they uh they moved in faith. Let's say that yeah. they celebrated <laughs> in their sad in faith that they were going to win the state championship was actually over. Yeah. All right. So this is a part of the show. We flip the script. You have no idea about this part uh -oh. of the show. You have two questions that you can ask me that Ooh, I can fine. answer for you, and it could be anything. Actually, I'm uh, I'm opening it up, so it could be about basketball and wow. what I do, or it could be about my life. Okay, that is fun. Um, let's go with. 
that's actually not my favorite. I do have a favorite moment of coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so what has been your favorite moment that basketball's brought you? So it didn't have to be mm-hmm. necessarily um, from coaching in a game or you playing in a game, but your favorite moment basketball's brought you. My favorite moment that basketball has brought me. That is a deep question. Oh, man. I wasn't ready for this. <laughs> you <Okay>. was <laughs> <laughs> All right. My favorite moment that basketball has brought me. It has to be, it has to be three summers ago. I got to be in the gym with LeBron James every day. And it was not be, not because it was LeBron James mm-hmm. necessarily, but kind of. Mm-hmm. It was that I, so I stopped playing junior, junior college ball was the last ball I played. I didn't get to go to university. I didn't get to play pro, but I loved the game, stayed around it in training. And <laughs> twofold. One, I had a dream that God told me, he showed me that lion that he uses, and it Mm -hmm. says, strive for greatness. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I was trying to be an agent. I just got my agent license, and I was asking God, it was a prayer, I was asking God, hey, where where do I go from here? Like, I just became an agent. I had no connections, didn't Mm -hmm. understand how the agent game worked. Mm -hmm. And uh, it says, strive for greatness. It's like, all right, that's that's LeBron. That means I mean maybe I should go with Clutch. Yeah, <laughs> I right? should get LeBron yeah. on my. <laughs> and uh, at the time, I knew Chris Johnson. I wasn't working with him at the time, so I just hit Chris Johnson. It was spring break. Mm-hmm. I still had core. I still had responsibilities. My my daughter was just born, and I hit Chris and say, "Hey, Chris, uh, you know we connected. Would love to come just rebound and be in the gym with you." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Cool, come through." That day happened to be the first day of pre draft for Clutch. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, That's this crazy. is strange. Yeah. Met Rich Paul that day. Mm-hmm. Stay with Clutch. That was the year that LeBron was coming back from his injury. Yeah, mm-hmm. injured his first year with the Lakers. And LeBron starts showing up to the gym. I'm like, this is so... That's so crazy. So crazy. And then yes. fast forward to the next year, he's filming Space Jam 2. Oh, That's the poster I don't have. I know. I noticed earlier. Space Jam 2. Okay, we got to get Space Jam 2. But uh, Space Jam 2, and we, with Chris, we worked out. That's where that picture's from up there, mm-hmm. with, the, with the Banana Boat crew. Nice. Um, yes. We trained them every day at like 5 a.m., and it was just like, it was kind of surreal, like, why? I'm waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning to train with LeBron. Mm-hmm. Not just shooting? LeBron, by the way. Yeah, well, yeah, no. So Paul, we'll, we'll zoom into that picture <laughs> in the edit. But yeah, Chris Paul and Carmelo were there. And mm-hmm. there was, it was just, it was crazy. Um, so like uh, LeBron calls me the light skin Pat Bev. <laughs> and because uh, I, I played some good defense and it was yeah. just, um, yeah, it was just crazy to see that. I always let kids know, like, you don't have to be in the NBA to be in the NBA mm-hmm. and to be around this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was just like a full circle moment of, man, I went from mm-hmm. like literally I was like playing two minutes a game on my junior college team to the coach not thinking I was good enough to not being able to play in college to all this. And But hey, out of all my friends, mm-hmm. all my people I went to college with, like I'm the only one that's still with basketball yeah. and this deep into basketball. Mm-hmm. And so that moment, it was like, hey, like I'm in the NBA. Yeah, I made it. I did it. <laughs> I did I did it. it. So, that moment. Love it. Good answer. Next one might be easier for you. Um, if you could have anybody on your show, like nationwide. Um, yeah. So it doesn't have to be right. Like the the poor little local Sierra Canyon coach. Um, 
you know, you can go with anybody. You guys are the important people. Yeah, we're we're from sure. Southern California first. So, <laughs> anybody so, involved in the sport of basketball. Let's see. If I can have anybody on the show, Vince Carter. Really? Vince Carter is my favorite player Vince of all time. Vince Carter. I, um, I'm just a fan. It was, I watched him all his North Carolina days. Mm-hmm. Till he went to the NBA, until he retired when he was 74 years old or however old he yeah, did yeah, in the NBA. Um, I'm just a fan of okay. how he carried himself, his competitiveness and his bounce. Like mm-hmm. I just, I wanted to be Vince Carter, even mm-hmm. though I'm only like six two. I just wanted to be Vince Carter. Like that's yeah. that's it. I I got a uh, I used to get uh, basketball cards every year. Mm-hmm. My dad used to give them for me for my birthday, and I have like a signed, authenticated. Mm-hmm. Vince Carter rookie card nice. and I don't know if that's like sent it over there it's like oh I got his card yeah, but yeah. his game and um, I just I just love Vince just the All excitement right. like he he definitely put a love in the game a little insanity on the show yeah, that'd be All great right. so well we're best friends yeah. so I can make it happen I was like, <laughs> could you imagine yes. <laughs> could you yes. imagine I'm like yeah he was uh, in my wedding so I, <laughs> I got this for you <laughs> yeah no that'd be, that'd, that'd, that'd be great that's a great question I never thought about that but Definitely want Vince Carter on the show. So Vince, right. if you see this, if you hear this, anybody who knows Vince, who knows me, who's going to see this, we're yeah. actually going to post this. Yeah, Vince is coming. All three cameras, Vince Carter, mm-hmm. come on through. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. So uh, that's it for today. Thank right. you for coming on the we show. You can come back after you win a national championship again there next year, go. for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm and... retiring if that happens. <laughs> you have 24 seconds on your shot clock. Oh, mm-hmm. girls, you got 30 seconds mm-hmm. on your shot clock. What uh, would you like to say to the people? Oh my gosh. What does that even mean? 30 seconds on my shot clock. Let people know what's happening in your world that, that maybe mm-hmm. they can attach to. If you have any summer camps or anything, and just what, what you want. Right now. I mean, I do have all those things going on, but I don't necessarily think that's very important. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's just like whoever is listening out there, if you're a high school basketball player, if you're a basketball player right now, it's just like figure out how you can be the best version of yourself and Number one is be a good teammate. Um, if you are a coach out there, like, let's connect. Um, I'm always happy to help give back, talk hoops. Um, it doesn't have to be a mentorship situation. It's just like, let's learn and grow together. Um, and if you're a player out there and you want to play for me, like, let's figure it out. <laughs> no, I don't need any more. I'm good. We're set. We're set. Um, so, yeah, it's just like we all love basketball, which is why we're here, which is why we are listening, which is why we tune in. And, um, there's so much more it can give you than just like it being a sport. So Absolutely. find out all the things it can give you. Thank you very much. Yep. Great to have you on the show. Yes, sir. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Alicia Kamaki, give her a hand yeah, all yeah, over yeah. the internet. Thank you very much. And I will see you next time. Peace.